Hey everyone, it's Stephanie from True Crime Anonymous. I just want to tell you about this app called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it is everything you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Anonymous may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody and welcome back to True Crime Anonymous. Today is Monday and that means it's Mass Murder Monday, ay, Mass Murder Monday, ay. That's pretty cheesy, right? Well, like I said, every Monday, we're doing Mass Murder Monday, because since I am from Massachusetts, we're going to talk about a murder that happened in Massachusetts. Hence, Mass Murder Monday. Super creative, right? Okay, well, this one is April Mackey. And April Mackey was born on July 12th, 1952. She moved around quite a bit while living in Massachusetts. She kind of just moved around in between, like, towns that were right next to each other. Just, like, town to town to town, but all within like a 20 minute radius or less April was legally blind she could pretty much only see shadows of things and she didn't really have help of any family at all her only help came from a social worker that was set up by her doctor like a primary care doctor I know when you're on like um Mass Health or Medicaid, they have all these state-run services and people and to help you, and I believe that's what this was. She had a social worker that would help her with all of her stuff. Um, in July 2008, April decided to move to the Village Green Apartments in Plainville, Massachusetts. This apartment complex is pretty large. It consists of 399 apartments, and all the apartments are kind of like divided up into a bunch of different buildings. I know exactly where this apartment complex is. It's pretty close to me, literally five minutes away. Um, I've been in that apartment complex plenty of times. So, it's a big one. Across the street are the town's only two schools. 
they are the Anna Ware Jackson School, and then next to that is the Beatrice H. Wood School. They go grades kindergarten through th- three, and then four to six, I think. I think that's how it works. I should know this stuff, but I forget. Uh, The complex is located on Route 106, which is named Messenger Street in the Plainville section. This road goes all the way through and then into another town. And I think when it gets to Foxborough, I think the name of the road changes. Doesn't matter, right? Plainville, Massachusetts is a nice, small town. There's rarely any crime of any significance in Plainville. If you listen on a scanner, maybe you'll hear that somebody ran a red light. I mean, that's the highlight on a Friday night. So crime is low. People are nice. Everyone knows everyone. And everyone knows everyone's business. Plainville consists of about 9,000 people. This town doesn't even have its own high school or middle school. High school age residents of Plainville have to go to King Philip Regional High School in neighboring Wrentham, Massachusetts. Or if they want a vocational school, they have to travel to Franklin, Massachusetts, about 15 maybe more minutes away to attend Tri-County Vocational High School. Grades 7 and 8 have to travel to Norfolk, Massachusetts to King Philip Middle School, which is about 20 to 25 minutes away, depending on where in Plainville you live. Anyway, enough about that. Lots of tidbits about good old Plainville, Massachusetts. April lived a sort of lonely life. She had various mental health issues, including depression and bipolar. And that must have been really hard on top of being legally blind. It's not like she could watch TV or read books or color to pass time. She could have listened to lots of podcasts if it wasn't 2009. Were there podcasts in 2009? I don't know. Huh. April had a nephew and he lived in Austin, Texas. She was in contact with him again recently after a long time without talking to him or without any family contact or support. They talked on the phone multiple times and decided it would be a good idea for her nephew to come help her. April had lived in her new apartment for almost a year and still needed help unpacking and sorting things out. So, his name is Randall Carpano. I think it's Carpano. Carpano? Carpano. Let's call it Carpano. Randall Carpano. That was her nephew's name. 
he was 41 years old at the time living in austin texas on probation in texas for an assault charge randall basically said excuse my language fuck my probation packed up his life and headed up north to good old plainville massachusetts Randall Carpino moved in with April Mackey in March of 2009. Things were kind of rocky from the start because April was kind of a difficult woman to deal with and Randall was a hot-headed dude. So they kind of clashed. Randall tried his best and unpacked her house and cleaned it up. For the first few days and for the first few days he was there like he had pretty much finished everything the only thing left to do was hang some things on the walls to make the apartment kind of look more like home kind of more comfortable comfortable uh, later that same day that he was hanging pictures and things randall's half-brother christopher christopher carpino came to visit him he hadn't seen him in a long time since randall lived in austin texas and christopher lived in norton massachusetts so they kind of hadn't seen each other in a long time so christopher decided to come over and april walked into the living room and somehow saw the picture that Randall was hanging up for her and she flipped. She did not want it where he had placed it. She started yelling and screaming, calling Randall names. And he's hot-headed, you know, he's a hot-headed dude. So he kind of became so angry and they get in each other's face and they're yelling at each other and... Randall like raises his fist to go and punch her but Christopher kind of jumps in between them grabs Randy's wrist and calms him down is like dude you don't want to do this you're on probation in Texas you don't want to hit a woman especially a disabled woman like calm your shit down so April kind of calmed herself down and went into her bedroom and went to bed since it was sort of late at this point and Randall calms down as much as he could and assured his brother that everything would be fine and he was just gonna go to bed so Randall and Christopher said goodnight and Christopher left and returned to his apartment in nearby Norton, Massachusetts. Now, sometime after that things go south for both April and Randall and another argument ensues. This time though, argument ends in a bad bad way like a really bad way and Randall ends up stabbing April nine times 
Then he decides not to call the police or even leave the apartment. Randall grabs a towel out of the bathroom and wipes the blood off his face and tosses the towel on the kitchen table. He then takes April's body to her bedroom and shoves her in the closet and tosses just a few random items over her so he couldn't see her. Out of sight, out of mind, I guess, right? I don't know. Randall spends his time watching TV, relaxing on the couch, talking to family and friends on the phone. You know, a typical lazy weekend. Minus the rotting corpse in your closet. One of the peoples he calls is Mary Maida, who lives back in Austin, Texas. Randall had told her, quote, I killed my aunt. She just came at me with a knife. I took it and it killed her, end quote. Mary was taken aback by Randall's confession, but she continues their conversation for a little bit. And as soon as they hang up, Mary just like couldn't believe what she had heard. But knowing her friend and his history of violence, she just like really had a bad feeling that what he was telling her was probably not some made-up story, that it was probably the truth. So she calls the Texas State Police, who then call the Massachusetts State Police at the Brockton location, and then the Massachusetts State Police contact the Plainville Police. There are a few conflicting reports about the next part, but I'm just going to tell you how I interpreted the facts. Police come to the address of 71 Messenger Street in Plainville, Massachusetts, and knock on the door to the apartment of April Mackey. Randall answered the door and spoke to the police and told them that his aunt wasn't home, but she was fine and the police end up actually talking to him outside for like an hour. They didn't really enter the apartment. I guess they kind of peeked over his shoulder and they didn't really see it to be any sign of a struggle. So the police end up leaving. And Randall's pretty relieved, but... He just kind of enjoys his weekend. He rearranges the apartment a little, throws a bunch of her stuff away, and then just goes about his business. But the police had received a call saying they had seen Randall throwing a bunch of stuff away, and they hadn't seen or heard from April for a few days. So on Monday morning, Plainville police are back at the apartment. Randall again answers the door. This time he claimed that April was at a friend's house in Providence, which is about 20 20 to 30 minutes away. 
and it's not it's really not that far and he said that he didn't know what time she was coming back police are kind of a little aggravated at this point but they warn Randall that they're not gonna go away until they see that April was okay and again Plainville police leave I find that so crazy but early the next day they decide to go back thank God something wasn't sitting right with them you you think <clears throat> they look through a window and see that Randall is asleep in bed and they enter through a window once inside they see that bloody towel that Randall had thrown on the table and they also observe blood all over the wall Randall is now awake and in big trouble but police are already looking for a dead body because of the amount of blood and the feeling they had and April's not in the apartment and because of the smell that was unfortunately like one of those smells that once you've smelled it you'll never forget it so I guess once you smell the scent of a decomposing body you don't forget it I wouldn't know but that's what I've heard officer Todd Holbrook entered April's room and opened the closet he moved a few things around and there under a pile of shit not literal shit but stuff sorry under a pile of random things lay April's battered and bloodied body Randall was arrested immediately as April's body was brought outside and into the coroner's van a crowd had gathered outside neighbors were really shocked this was such a quiet apartment complex things like this did not happen here in fact Plainville hadn't had a murder in over 20 years. So police bag up all the evidence and process the crime scene. Randall was arraigned at Rentham District Court. He appeared skittish and even confused. He had told the judge that he was 32 years old, but in fact, he was 41. William Sullivan, Randall's attorney, claimed that he was competent to stand trial, stating, quote, he understands what's going on. Which I don't understand that because it also says in reports that attorney Sullivan had just grabbed this case. 
he didn't know jack shit about Randall in his mental state <laughs> I don't know but he said that he knew what was going on and he could stand trial <sighs> Randall was also denied bail Judge Warren Powers claimed that it was because he had a four-page rap sheet which included multiple assault and battery charges and because he had already taken off from Texas while he was on probation Let's not forget that. Which stemmed from an assault charge. This guy was a mess. He was an angry mess. The trial started on March 21st and went on for five days. Attorney Sullivan said that April attacked him first. And, if anything, this was manslaughter, not first-degree murder. There was testimony from police officers, the medical examiner, friends, family, friends, and family members. So, after the witnesses were done and the trial was over, a, the jury of nine women and three men started deliberation on Thursday and continued until Monday afternoon but Judge Kenneth Fishman Fisman declared a mistrial and he would just have to be tried again this time the defense team was ready they were planning to attack April's character like I mentioned earlier, she was a difficult woman to deal with. Apparently, she had threatened her neighbor before and even turned a knife on him and did the same thing to a social worker, saying, this is what I did to that fucking guy upstairs. She was a, she was a hot tamale, this one. She had balls talking to her social worker and firefighters like that. Oh boy, oh boy. Police had taken the knife from her that she was threatening the social worker with and her neighbor. They took it away from her. There's no knife for you. But April called multiple times asking for her knife back each time getting more angry and more obsessive about this knife. She had to have it back. She never gave it, they never gave it back to her, but for some reason she wanted that knife and she didn't get it. So I'm assuming she just had other ones. The defense was going to use that to make Randy basically the victim. Prosecution's ta tactic was to acknowledge that she had aggressive behavior, but she didn't deserve to die this way. She didn't. Nobody does. But before the next trial, prosecution offered Randall a deal. They would offer him the charge of manslaughter with a guilty plea. Manslaughter only carries a max sentence of 20 years, and Randall took it. 
He pled guilty to manslaughter and received 18 years in prison. The district attorney said prosecutors agreed to a plea in the interest of justice, knowing that the future juries might hear similar testimony about April's temperament. So they were basically so scared that they were going to drag April through the mud and that Randall was going to win again that they gave him the deal based on that which isn't fair it just kind of sucks she was stabbed nine times some of the stab wounds were inches deep like four or five inches deep like almost going through the other side she was beaten up stabbed and stuffed in a closet and because she was a difficult person he gets manslaughter instead of murder one what do you guys think about that what do you think about that outcome let me know. Send send us an email at truecrimeanonymous at yahoo.com. Send, send us a DM on Facebook or on Instagram at truecrimeanonymous. Uh, I've also discovered that we have Canadian listeners and listeners in Ireland. Super cool. Shout out to you guys. Spread the word over there. Um... We have almost 400 likes on our Facebook page as of right now. We have over 200 listens on, um, you know, in, with through these episodes. And I am just so thankful for all the support that we have received. Really, thank you guys. If you're listening from Apple, please give us five stars. Give us five stars on Apple. On Facebook, give us five stars. If you're listening from Stitcher or from uh, from Spotify, please follow us. Click the link in the description to become a monthly supporter. That helps us support our families and um, you know achieve our dreams. So, again, thank you all so much. This was Mass Murder Monday, episode two for that, but episode like eight for everything. And I'll see you you guys in a few days. We'll not see you, but you'll hear my voice in a few days. Have a good night.